0: Across the council, almost all of us ran on a similar platform, a desire to rein in housing costs to combat the rising levels of homelessness in our city, to combat the relentless tide of car traffic and congestion. A lot of times when people think about these problems, the solution that doesn't come to their mind is zoning reform. But this is the chief culprit that's causing a lot of these recurring issues across the entire county.
1: To the extent there was a honeymoon of the mayor, it's over. And it was met with defeat. As far as I can remember, it's one of the earliest administration defeats I can remember. This was an administration bill. And whether or not he was just okay with it or not doesn't matter. And was soundly defeated.
2: Generally speaking, the best messaging strategy in a political campaign is one that highlights all of your strengths and highlights all of your opponent's weaknesses at the same time. And the right person comes along with the right message. And sometimes it can work. There are people that can appeal across party lines, but it takes the right person with the right message. And I'm curious if this is the right person with the right message. I think if you're going to talk about opioids and the opioid crisis in a lot of rural counties, I think Megan Berry is a qualified person to speak to that considering her, the tragic loss of her son. If you're going to talk about abortion rights in this state, certainly better to have a woman talking about it, but I am curious to see what strategy she deploys
0: When you see something that is
1: not right, not fair, not just, you have to do something.
2: Welcome to PBN. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter.com and Blue Sky
1: at Braden Gall. I'm Jamie Holland. I'm on Elon Sewer at JR Holland. But still, Braden. it's Pod Bless Nash on twitter.com pod Bless
2: nashville on instagram uh Roland horton our guest today on the show uh penned an op-ed in the tennesseean about what jamie burning the housing code how you would put it
1: Zoning reform. <laughs> uh,
2: we will talk with him. He's District 20 council member, a new council member, newly elected. He's been on the council for a couple of months now. We'll talk to him a little bit later on. Of course, they also had a Taser vote recently last week uh, that they turned, They voted down. We'll get to that. We've got some housing news from around the country that you, of course, are always going to bring onto the show, things that are happening in Texas. Uh, we'll also talk to Roland about that as well and the Tasers. Uh, there was a absolutely I, I, hilarious isn't the right Term, but I, you know, when I see pictures of 2,000 plants being burnt at a church in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. Whose plant? God's plant. Thank you. A huge weed bust in uh, Indian Mound, Tennessee uh, raised some questions for me personally. We've got some elections coming up, some deadlines next week to make sure we've got Board of Education vote, odd numbers, Fourth Circuit judge, of course, and the property assessor. We've got a new candidate officially now. In the U.S. House District 7 race in the state of Tennessee, of course. Uh, former Mayor Megan Barry announcing there. We'll get into that. A lot of voucher stuff still happening and some astroturfing happening uh, as well. So we'll get into that. Lots of stories on the show
1: today. But you want to start with some sports ball? Is that what you want to start with here? On the Sports pod? ball. Congratulations. Shout out to the Pearl Cone Firebirds for winning the 4A state championship against Upperman. Shout out to Coach Bernetti, highest MNPS, wins and wins for football. And more importantly, the players, staff, and families. I was there, Braden. It was a crucial play of the game. A bad snap on an extra point that the quarterback, who was also just awarded this week, for a Mr. Football. Oh, nice. QB1, shout out. First time... Since Hillsboro in two thousand eight for a MNPS state championship in football. All right. Congratulations. Undefeated season. Also, shout out to East Nashville for their third trip to the state championship game. New coach Damian Harris from Pearl Cone. Player staff and families. Third time in a row runner up to nine time winner Alcoa. God, Alcoa's pretty good. <laughs> Maybe they should play up. Pearl Cone does, by the way. That's true. That's true.
2: Congrats Pearl. To, to Pearl Cone and to East Nashville. Pearl know.
1: Cone is a 3A school that plays up 4A football, which is a reminder, Braden, these athletic programs, how much money mm. do they get out of the budget from MNPS for athletics?
2: So MMPS gets 37% of a $3.2 billion metro budget. Quick math. It's about a billion dollars in funding our public school system here in Davidson County, and they distribute $0 to the athletics programs.
1: Each of these programs have to raise their own money, beg, borrow, whatever the case may be. Seems like a flawed structure, but it's just me. Hey,
2: whatever. Look, people don't tune into this show for the sports ball, but you and I are both big believers that athletic competition, or at least being a part of something like that and being a part of a team benefits you as a human being long-term. Teamwork,
1: discipline, all that good stuff. Correct. But let's also tie it in to what's also going on in town this week. The, the B- Major League Baseball is coming to town? Yeah, they're here. Oh.
2: All of well, them. Well, technically, when you're they're listening all to this, here.
1: they're all gone. <laughs> they're all here. The winter meetings were last week <laughs> out at Gaylord Hotel. And how it ties into the show, the owner of my new favorite team. <laughs> The Chicago White Sox Jerry Reinsdorf met with Mayor Freddie O'Connell so preview it's happening and according to Deputy
2: Communications Director Alex Apple he said exactly to Jerry Reinsdorf owner of the Chicago White Sox what he has said publicly and I'm going to paraphrase here Jamie ain't no fucking way what have I been telling
1: (laughs) the people Braden that is called a head fake it's coming don't be a hater (laughs) let's go white Sox. they've already got two teams anyway god stop it that's it's happening let's go for those that do not realize
2: that jamie is at times (laughs) completely full of shit uh you need a few things to to have a baseball team in nashville you need a piece of land they don't have that they need we can get that they oh you think so yeah they need need an owner they need an owner who is worth capital b billions jerry Reinsdorf. got it don't don't have that check you need political appetite in this city to help put all this together. Don't have that uh, at all. I'll make everybody hungry.
1: Come yeah, on, let's sure. go. Uh, I'm applying for the job. This, those, this Tennessee, those Tennessee no. star dudes, national stars, whatever it's called, they, they'll do it. We got it. Justin Timberlake's going to pay for the whole thing. Hey, Don, Don Mattingly, Eddie George. One guy just sold his gas stations, oil company. <laughs> two, two guys. <laughs> Bought the Preds. I'm just saying. So is that? Wouldn't that be direct competition? <laughs> minority ownership, Braden. Come on. No, he's going to be a majority owner of the Nashville <laughs> Predators on, and his former governor. Oh, he's going to be minority owner of the. Oh, of the baseball, baseball team. team. Okay. Come yeah. on, come on now. We can make it up.
2: I will paraphrase Mayor O'Connell's message. <laughs> Head fake. No fucking way. Head fake. <laughs> Head fake. He didn't even bother to put out his own statement. He's like, head, I'll let Alex take care of this one. <laughs> head fake. Head fake, Braden. Uh, okay. let's. W- one of the big stories here, um, and there were some documents that were leaked to News Channel 5 uh, that basically kind of laid out this, this voucher, this collection of, of entities in the state that are pro voucher that are trying to obviously lobby and 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 affect what the vote is going to be like expanding the voucher program, Bill Lee's voucher program, his top priority to expand the voucher program into all 95 counties. We talked about it last week on the show. You can go kind of get into details. There's lots of great articles out there, lots of great commentary and understanding about the issue itself. Um, a lot of rural counties, the school education department or the, uh, the school system is the number one employer. And of course, this would take a ton of money out of those places and put them into places that technically right now, private schools that do not exist in a lot of these counties. But these documents were leaked to channel five that indicate that it's not just a bunch of independent groups working together, that it is essentially a Tennessee coalition for students. Now uh, there was the Tennessee Federation for children. There was the Tennesseans for putting students first. There was team kid pack. There was make Liberty win I love where they come up with these names, by the way. I think they use the corporate BS generator. <laughs> I think there's a, <laughs> there's a website that just like spins them out. I again, Team Kid Pack, you're not even trying at that at that point. You're just like Team Kid. It right, sounds good, but apparently they spent one hundred and thirty six thousand dollars combined to get Brian Ritchie elected, who I believe is the representative for Maryville. I believe right. Um, they're getting they got him elected over Bob Ramsey, who was essentially anti voucher. Brian Ritchie appeared to be very pro-voucher, and according to these documents that have been leaked to News Channel 5, indicates that all this dark money is working together, pro-voucher, to get essentially anti-voucher candidate out of office. That could be viewed a bunch of different
1: ways. Well, first of all, I wouldn't call it a leak. I would call it part of that operations strategy in advance of the governor's announcement, in advance of the legislative session, that that was a message. And one of the things I've said in the past, what's the message that resonate on guns? It's Deborah Maggert who'd she get beat by Courtney Rogers. What'd she do? She whispered something that might be appear unfavorable to the gun. Here's same thing. This is a message you vote against governor Lee's voucher education, freedom, scholarship act, no notes. Does that one come out of the generator as well? We're going to pop you Richie, in your upcoming election. Richie, when asked, uh,
2: basically, News Channel 5 was trying to figure out how these seemingly independent groups all decided to work together. When when, when Representative Richie was asked about that, he says, I have no clue.
1: In the latest, sure, sure thing, big guy. <laughs> in the latest edition of the Tennessee Journal, even though they call it something else now, maybe, Richie said... To the Tennessee Star in the spring, that he was inspired to run for office in 2019 after a state law banned the sale of deer urine. Banned the sale of what? Deer urine. <laughs> Listen, a lot of people a lot of people come
2: to government in very different ways. Jamie, walking the dog. <laughs> so you'll learn, somebody, about somebody learn about that. Somebody banned later. the
1: sale of deer urine. Deer urine.
2: Whatever inspires you. Uh, this, of course, is also tied in with. What is very clearly a an American Americans for Prosperity, which of course is Charles Koch's organization, they they have different chapters I think in almost every state, and there, there's a clear astroturfing of public school superintendents right now taking place on social media. They're just attacking public schools at every which way, and then like with false information, like it's 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 a concerted, clear effort. Uh, again, even one of those one of those random generated. Pack names that I just mentioned is a Charles Koch organization. It's not even just AFP. It's it's an, there's another one they've got that's spending money on on this voucher stuff. So it's just clear that the the forces are all lined up on this. Can I tie this back to sports ball? Please
1: go for it. So the TWSWA, that's your governing body of high school athletics in the state of Tennessee. There's a current rule in place that says unless you have a bona fide change of residence, i.e., you move more than twenty miles away. If you don't do that, then you transfer to another school, then you must sit out a year. That doesn't sound like freedom or choice. So in order for at least to be consistent, that rule has to go away. If there's parental choice, parental freedom, then a a kid that plays sports ball shouldn't have to sit out a year. Education Freedom Scholarship Act has meaning. Are
2: are you, I was going to say, are you suggesting that perhaps the parental choice is not actually means
1: what they're saying it means (laughs) to the extent school choice or freedom exists today? It's not really born out in reality. If your kid plays sports ball, you know, sometimes politics and,
2: and legislating can make, make for strange bedfellows. Right. And, you, you don't. I think there's. It's okay to say to people, look, I, there's no reason why student athletes should have to sit out a year if they're tra- if they're changing schools inside their own district to, to go to a school that they'd like to go to that's better for them and their family. And also, let's not expand the voucher program around the state.
1: Well, because you also have got some private schools down in Hamilton County, Baylor and Macaulay, and they just happen to play for the state championship. But they're boarding schools. You can go to that school anytime and those no, there's no transfer penalty. And strangely enough. Those rosters of those two school football teams are filled with kids from Canada.
2: Shockingly enough, we we used to uh, God. I hated practicing in the middle of August down on the river down there. We used to camp down there before the season started. Miserable, but we did beat Baylor all the time. Practice, just letting you know.
1: Shout out <laughs> so Franklin High School. There you go. The for, formerly the artist, formerly known as the Rebels. So, are you saying whacking public school officials on X? I just it's is not a good plan.
2: I don't know. It's just a bad look, especially when you have to uh, when you throw a bunch of numbers into your tweets to try to take some guy down, try to dunk on him on Twitter. Who's a superintendent just trying to do his job in public schools, and then you have to correct all your numbers in the next tweet. That that's a, that's a problem. But maybe also
1: cynically, part of the strategy. Are you saying what, allegedly? Allegedly. Are you saying the original post on X gets more traction than the correction, three or four down? Bingo. Help the kids, Brayden. Help the kids. <laughs> We'll see what happens.
2: Ninety-five counties. Uh talk to people outside of your district on what? Mental health and vouchers, right? Talk to people outside of your county on those things. Otherwise, it's not gonna chat not gonna happen. Speaking of counties outside of Davidson, district seven, Mark Green, representative
1: U.S. House, did he vote uh to kick out George Santos? You know, he did. He was one of two, along with District Six Congressman John Rose. They voted to Expel George Santos. George Santos, who whose entire life is a lie, a,
2: a, a, I guess I don't know where he went to college or how his mother passed away or all these things were lies. He, campaign fraud. If you don't know the George Santos story at this point, you are listening to this show. I don't have any help for you, um, but at least Mark Green did vote to expel. So did John Rose, but Megan berry officially announced
1: former mayor officially announced she's going to run. Well, you are also p- discounting the fact that six of our Congress members voted no. I am not
2: discounting that (laughs) on the motion to expel. I was going to just avoid those six and just compliment the two that did the right thing. Again, after the house ethics committee came out with their investigation, it's one thing to vote before the investigation is done to expel. I understand people that maybe didn't want to do that, but once the investigation is completed and you have all the information and he's, I think he's facing like dozens of, you know, charges like legally uh, that only two of our, Two of our folks decided to to vote to expel is pretty strange. Now, I will say you Democrats also have somebody you could address in this conversation as well. Bob Menendez could absolutely be expelled by the Senate if they like. He's basically a former operative for Egypt, but that's neither here nor there anyway. Some of those gold bars (laughs) that were
1: found in Mr. Menendez's house. Hang on. Let me Google. How much is a gold bar worth? Stolen.
2: (laughs) They have serial
1: numbers. People are so stupid. Will he outlast
2: Santos? I think he will. Yeah, I think he will. uh Okay, so quickly, no, no surprise. Megan Barry has floated the idea of running for this seat. You know, a big chunk of that is Davidson County, but also it stretches from the border, right, from Kentucky all the way down to to Alabama. So there's a lot of rural counties in there. To me, it raises a media question because I'm always asking you, Jamie, where, what type of candidate can win in this race? What type of candidate can win in that race? I'm always very interested. And I think the best messaging strategy here, and I'm curious to see what, what former mayor Barry deploys from a messaging strategy, but it was because it was already in her announcement, a bunch of different bullet points of things that she's going to cover. And generally speaking, the best messaging strategy in a political campaign is one that highlights all of your strengths and highlights all of your opponent's weaknesses at the same time. And the right person comes along with, with the right message. And sometimes it can work. I mean, you've got, and this is, again, this is statewide races that I always reference. So this is maybe a bad example, but like there are, there are blue, there are liberal governors in red States. There are the shared Browns of the world who is a liberal Democrat Senator elected statewide in Ohio. Like there are, there are people that can appeal across party lines, but it takes the right person with the right message. And I'm curious if this is the right person with the right message. I think if you're going to talk about opioids and the opioid crisis in a lot of rural counties, Thanks, Marsha. I think Megan Barry is a qualified person to speak to that, considering her tragic the tragic loss of her son. If you're going to talk about abortion rights in this state, certainly better to have a woman talking about it. Sometimes you get the right messenger with the right message. I don't know if that's it. I don't know if this is the right one. I don't know if it works, but I am curious to see what strategy she deploys. She's already mentioned opioids, abortion, reproductive rights, and guns, and rural hospitals, in her announcement
1: speech to to run for the seventh district. So just interesting to see what, what what kind of strategies she deploys in my opinion. Are you moving from Santos to the district seven congressional race for the purposes of pimping me out for cameos? (laughs) I would absolutely. We're going to get J.R. Holland on cameo and we're
2: going to get you to, what what do you want? If you want someone, (laughs) if you need a West Tennessee dialect on anything, housing, Zoning, redistricting, you name it, you name it, we'll take we'll take care of it. Transit referendums, what else you want to talk about? For a fee, no, student athletes should not trans- should be
1: able to transfer as much as they want. Hell yeah, state of Florida, you can transfer anywhere you want to. Arkansas, they've got a transfer rule that allows it to. <laughs> wake up, freedom.
2: I-, I will say the for those that don't understand what you're referencing, uh, John Fetterman, senator from Pennsylvania, used George Santos. <laughs> on cameo to request, I believe, that Bob Menendez resign. I believe that's what happened. Bobby from Jersey City. <laughs> and he also Fetterman also used Snooky, uh, which I but for all of you listening, I had to explain to Jamie who Snooky is from uh, Jersey Shore. He famously used Snooky in a cameo to promote Dr. Oz, his his opponent in the Pennsylvania Senate race as being a millionaire who lives in New Jersey and how proud she was to call him a New Jersey native. You can do some, some fun stuff on Cameo. John Fetterman's campaigns are awesome. They're fun to
1: watch. All right. Board of Education. Do you want to run for the Metro National Public Schools Board of Education, Braden? How many votes do I need to win that? Uh, how much money would it cost me? Uh, low budget, less than 50. School board, it's the odd numbered districts. So one, three, five, seven, and nine are county primaries on March 5, 2024. But next Thursday, December 14th at noon is the qualifying deadline. We will also be electing a fourth division circuit court judge and property assessor. So if you want to run, The election's March 5, qualifying deadline's next Thursday at noon. And all I need is 25 signatures? 25 signatures from registered voters of the applicable district. And you can be a candidate. Applicable. Applicable. (laughs) All you need is 25 signatures to be a candidate? Such a high threshold. All right. What does the property assessor do, Jamie Hall? Uh, Assesses the value (laughs) of your property.
2: (laughs) Okay. It's right in the name. (laughs) Uh, So there you go. Board of Education, odd numbers, uh, and the property assessor, as well as the Fourth Circuit judge. Uh, All March 5th is the vote. And then, as you mentioned, December 14th, the deadline. Get those signatures in if you want to be on the Board of Education. All right. You want to talk about God's plant? My favorite plant. All right. We'll talk with uh, District 20 Councilmember Roland Horton coming up in just a minute. Uh, He explains his vote on the taser issue that took place last week, uh, as well as kind of getting to know District 20 a little bit. We like to do that on the show where we get to know the differences in these districts. And of course, he penned an op-ed about Jamie's favorite topic, changing the zoning code and housing in his district. And so we'll, we'll discuss that with him coming up in just a minute. But uh, I we found this story, and this is in, this is on Highway 46 out in Indian Mound. So if you don't know where that is, that's sort of just west of, of Clarksville, kind of northwest Tennessee. Small town, 2,000 plants were found. Here's the headline. uh, Marijuana grow operation found inside of a church. God's plant in a church? church. Where else should it be cultivated, Braden? Bunch of holy rollers out there, my man. Uh, Investigation slowed by possible booby traps, uh, which is hilarious. But as I'm reading the story. Tricking tricking the church with booby traps? uh, The largest bust in the history of Stewart, Stewart County and they 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 found them based on the electrical bill first of all i went and actually looked at where the church is located it's actually it's on this old country road kind of on top of this hill but it's so close to the road my first thought was why would you build a grow house so close to the road but that's neither here nor there three thousand dollars a month was what they were paying an electrical and water bill, and that's what tipped off the authorities to what was going on. That and the smell, of course, coming from the two thousand plants that are growing in the basement of uh, building. The,
1: I think the smell's bullshit. You think that is? You know I thing? think that's bullshit because, like, how do you know they weren't that wasn't hemp? I, I mean, said. the TBI when they they're testing protocols can't tell the difference between THC and hemp, so I think that's bullshit.
2: I mean, I don't want to give myself away here, but I can look at it. I was looking at all these photos. That won't
1: get you a conviction. Braden Gall's testimony (laughs) on his looks of what is God's plant or not will not get you a conviction. Could I make as much as a fingerprint expert, though? Which is
2: more than the public defender would make defending me in that case.
1: Which reminds me, the juvenile court judges of the state put out a statement saying, hey, Supreme Court, need to raise the rates. But yeah, problem is, You'll get paid more by the state for your fingerprint analysis. But the problem is nobody's taking that fucking work. Uh, I so I saw the photos of them
2: burning all the plants and uh, just. They burned the evidence. That Well, they probably had, you know, like it's like it's 1984 or something. Like they're out there having a big burn party. Look at all these, look at all this reefer madness we captured under this church and we threw it away. This is clearly a major professional operation. But part of the reason I wanted to bring it up is number one, it's a fun story. Uh, number two. I went and looked at a couple of states that are about the same size of tennessee state of washington for example has been legal since i believe 2015. so they've been capturing tax revenue off the sale of of god's plant marijuana weed reefer whatever you want to call it and it took them about two or three years to get going but they have basically flattened out at around 600 million there's about 8 million people in the state of washington so about the same as tennessee roughly speaking And they capture $600 million in tax revenue every single year off the sale of marijuana. And it's just a, it's the dumbest missed opportunity, which is in the state of Washington, more than they recapture off alcohol sales. And we certainly know the health benefits of, of weed versus alcohol. It's not even close. Um, talk to any doctor about it. Don't take our word for it. Uh, last year alone, the United States captured $15 billion in 2022 in taxes off of weed, what are we fucking doing with this plant in this state? Help people make it legal. It's unbelievable. Ohio just voted voted to make it legal, and it wasn't even a conversation. It wasn't even a topic. They, they just they just said yes and they voted it. And uh, it's just it's absurd. It could, it, in the state of Tennessee, there's really no reason for it not to be legal. So why why burn
1: two thousand plants that could help people? God gave us something to help us crazy thought in the form of a plan who knew
2: also if you are running for any election anywhere in the state of tennessee and the message is about personal freedom take the personal freedom part and say let me put into my body what i choose to put into my body If you're gonna let me if i want to drink milkshakes every single morning and have a glass of whiskey every single night why can't i also have some weed in my life as well. So personal freedom, it's, its it falls right in line with reproductive rights. It falls right in line with all the other personal freedom issues that are floating around in campaigns right now.
1: So, and if you're regulated, you can ensure that God's plant is is in its purest form when it reaches consumers. Especially
2: for anyone out there who may enjoy the tea or a cookie, perhaps, or a gummy, something along those lines. Understanding exactly what you're getting, probably safer, probably smarter. just guessing at what you mean you can
1: get it in more ways than just burning it and inhaling it in your lungs yeah in safer ways actually oh my god doctor doctor recommended (laughs) thank you god Um, okay
2: so this taser vote took place and we'll talk with Rollin about this uh coming up because it it got voted down essentially what you need to know the quick and dirty of it is is we, we signed a contract with axon right is that the name of the company that makes these tasers it's taser seven they they didn't make a taser eight or taser nine, but the vote, which was put forth by the mayor's office, they're currently under a contract in the second year of that contract, a five-year $6.5 million contract. The new deal, as proposed by this taser manufacturer for the Mas- Nashville Police Department, is a 10-year $24 million contract. And essentially, and Rollin will explain his personal journey, I don't want to talk for him, but it sounds like what happened is the company got a little greedy and went about it the wrong way. And had they asked in a different way or laid it out in a different way, maybe there'd be a different result, but a lot of folks were on the fence. And then when they were sort of forced into this new potential contract, that is an increase. What about $18 million? People said, no, I don't think we want that. And they voted it down from a fiscal responsibility standpoint. I understand it. I I don't think from what I understand, the difference between taser 10 and taser seven doesn't affect the police's job in any way a mild advancement in technology. But again, I'll let, I'll let Roland explain his personal reasons for it. But ultimately, Jamie, you took it in a, you took the vote in sort of a different way.
1: Well, one of the things I teach my kids and a philosophy I follow is pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. Axon's rep was clearly a hog and he's clearly never spoken to Tim Cook. Went from model seven to model 10 (laughs) In a twelve-month period of time, seems strange. Taser but Taser Ten has a new dongle. Could I not just get a you know an iOS
2: update? <laughs> you know where I just Taser you know, se- Taser Seven uh, stops working as well
1: until you update to <laughs> Taser Ten. Is that what happens? You know the battery goes down, something God. like that. Can't ever recharge uh, that
2: sucker to a hundred percent.
1: And no, my my broad takeaway there is that to the extent there was a honeymoon of the mayor, it's over. And it was met with defeat. As far as I can remember, it's one of the earliest administration defeats I can remember, but this was an administration bill and whether or not he was just okay with it or not, doesn't matter. It rose to the level. It went through the process of going through procurement and maybe it was just a contract amendment through their process. Of getting to the form of a bill and was soundly defeated 14 to 24 with one abstention, which reminds me don't abstain unless you have a conflict. Vote for or against. Abstain is otherwise known as chicken shit. But yeah, Freddie takes an L right there.
2: Do, do you think it is an indication of some type of shift in power? Because. Uh- what, what sounds like took place is that how this company was going about doing business was what caused some of the problems. And are we saying that, that Freddie's office and the mayor's office should have been able to <laughs> handle the, the approach a little bit better with this particular vendor. And if they had done that, maybe the, it passes and they look better.
1: I think so. But like, you know, council member Quinn, Evan Siegel brought out the visual aid don't use green next time. That's my only pro tip. There, I,
2: I enjoyed it thoroughly. I do appreciate you tagging oh. me on Twitter while it was happening.
1: But <laughs> they did some mathing. I know, I know. You're not a big <laughs> math guy. <laughs> yeah, I tried to bring you in where you fit in. You know, thanks, man. I, I, I was there on the words, but yeah, they limited time offer. Like, take take it now. Take this 2023 pricing. Or too bad, like they were an existing customer of that vendor the city of Nashville and not just any old customer, but someone paying a five-year contract, $6.5 million realizing that there was a problem in the body with going up for that percentage increase. And from a five-year term to a 10 year term, by the way, the standard term of a Metro contract is five years. So it was kind of excessive, a good commentary there from the vendors rep. Hey, Hey, like, just be a little more political about how you. We su- we appreciate it. you have questions, yeah. concerns, comments, and because you're an existing customer of ours, and we appreciate your business, Nashville, Nashville. Thank you. We're gonna give you a little more time, and we're gonna hold our 2023 pricing for 30, 60, 90 days, whatever it is, to give to give us time to answer your. So questions.
2: So that's the that's the pig approach, not the hog approach, is what you're saying.
1: Correct. So are you suggesting that how you talk to someone matters? I'm saying it does. Hmm. Interesting. Particularly the ones that control your fate (laughs) and are making the slaughter decision. Do you think it is a good thing for the city of
2: Nashville to have a little bit more of a balance of power between the mayor's office and the city
1: council? I, I think if anybody looks back at my career, they would say he wanted to make the legislative body stronger. And I think we moved in that direction. With this, no, vo- with this vote with this vote yeah I sure do okay well there you go two birds um, alright you got some housing news from around before you- that I want to give a shout out alright to Metro Nashville Network while watching online over the logo they put a Santa's hat over the logo thank you very much uh, <laughs> that- a- add some holiday lights or Christmas lights around there next time then you got a bonus Texas what you got also would have been known as Mexico. If not for Tennessee,
2: but for the volunteers yes. of the state. No, of no. I, listen, I moved here from Austin in 1996 and I have a lot of, my brother went to the university of Texas. I went to the university of Tennessee. We have a lot of debates in our household about, well, who's the real Tennessee quick history lesson. University of Tennessee was founded in the 1700s before Texas was a state. And if not for them volunteers going down to Texas and dying in the Alamo, Texas would not be a state, and therefore the University of Texas would not be a thing. So if you're asking me who's the real UT,
1: win-loss record aside, it is the University of Tennessee. And what shade of orange is the University of Tennessee?
2: Burnt orange.
1: No. No, not the University of Tennessee. Oh, did
2: did you say Sorry, I thought you said Texas. No. What would you call the shade of Tennessee at University of Tennessee? I thought it was Pantone 135. That sounds right. All right, Texas. What would they do in Texas for housing that got you all hot and bothered over there?
1: Well, Houston who doesn't have zoning if you ever want to know what the best model is for zoning don't fucking have any Houston good job but they also got rid of lot size minimums and they did a study that says that does not lead to what's the thing people are worried about when they talk about more density brain displacement and gentrification yeah, yeah and this study was from researchers at strangely enough the University of Texas And there's a story out on putrust.org that will explain all that to you. The city of Austin also last week after 13 hours of testimony, Yimby folks, Hey, it's going to be a fucking slog. And I would say we're going to do at least 36 hours, but you're saying, you're saying be prepared for a long
2: drawn out battle. If you are trying to do something like Austin did simultaneous
1: to what? In November 2024. Transit referendum, baby. We're going to... Let's go. We're going to... We go, (laughs) even. (laughs) Ah, That's too much. It's right out of the damn generator, too. (laughs) They The city of Austin legalized three units on a single-family lot all across the city. Holy shit.
2: Okay, so just go a little bit quicker. So every single-family lot in Austin, because I will say this, having moved here from there a long, long time ago, they have almost identical problems to Nashville. They're very, very similar cities, very weird music cultures in the 80s and the 90s, and then the growth happens, and they have not solved any problems, housing, traffic, etc. Uh, the university in Austin is a little bit bigger than the one we got here, but that's, that's neither here nor there. You're saying that they can now build three units on every lot that was previously zoned single-family housing. By right. By right. So every lot in the city. Yes. And, and so you're saying essentially that three is the housing
1: by right? By right. Which means you don't have to go to the government and ask for anything to do it besides a building permit.
2: So walk us through what that looks like here. You know, you're in a neighborhood, you're in a single family zoning neighborhood. All of a sudden that switches. I could just go to a developer and tear my house down and build three on that property. Sell two, live in mine. Correct. If Houston and Austin, Houston's one thing. If Austin can do some stuff, then I think Nashville can do some stuff. Houston's a little different politically, but still. We can't keep waiting around. Yeah, I agree. Uh, We've got a few other conversations uh, to have today on the show, but uh, that leads us right into Rollin's housing op-ed in the Tennessean. we are also talking to him about tasers and sort of get to know District 20 a little bit as well. So that should lead us right into that conversation. You want to go ahead and talk to to Rollins?
1: Yep, gets the direct right up ed even though he's a noob.
2: Yep, here was our conversation with the District 20 council member. <music> District 20 council member Roland Horton joining us here in studio. We really do appreciate you coming in, man. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thank you for having me here today.
2: So, you are a should I say a newly minted council member of course, District 20. How has the first couple of months been in terms of getting up to speed with 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 the new role, the new job? What has that been like the first few months here?
0: Oh, it, it, it's been a lot. It's been super exciting. I think we um, have a chance to really make a, a lot of positive difference in, in uh, people's lives in our district and across the county. Uh, a lot of things, uh, exciting things happening in, in our district in West Nashville, as well as uh, some exciting things happening in the council, like the Taser Bill last night. Um,
2: so it's been great. I want to ask about uh, the Taser Bill, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to that uh, in, in just a second. Um, why? Why did you want to be a council member. Why did you want
0: the job in the first place? Well, a lot of the concerns that uh, our family shared with a lot of our neighbors and things like that. uh, We just um, got a new puppy last year. We walk her all over the neighborhood, uh, but realize we don't have safe crosswalks. uh, We don't have adequate sidewalks. uh, There's not enough traffic calming devices. It can feel like you're taking your life in your hands, walking around our neighborhood. Uh, At the same time, we're looking at uh, hopefully expanding our family in the near future. So want our public education system to be as great as it can be and um you know my wife and i decided rather than hope somebody else has the necessary drive and energy to try to solve some of these questions decided to stand up and try to do something about it ourselves
1: what you just described was an indicator in district five back in 2011 white guy walking dog there goes the fucking neighborhood <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, no no
1: comment you don't have to comment on that no comments. <laughs> then next thing you know runs for council who knew (laughs) don't walk your dogs folks (laughs) keep them in your yard
2: Uh, by the way first before just to make everybody clear um this is obviously the nation's charlotte park the artist formerly known as charlotte park tell everybody quickly the 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 outlay of your district yeah
0: so so we're located in west nashville so going from north to south we have the nations which is where i live we have Charlotte Park and James Robertson, which have since uh, combined into or at least under one neighborhood association into Charlotte Robertson. And we have the western half of Whitebridge down to Bellmead Plaza, as well as uh, a small part of Hillwood.
2: What is it about your district? Like, What are the unique challenges that you think people that don't live in that area? I've spent a lot of time in the nations. I have a lot of friends in the nation. So I sort of understand the way it's developed and grown over the few over the last, you know, 10 years or so. What, what is it that's That is a unique challenge to that area and to your district that maybe folks that live in Antioch or um, in Jolton don't necessarily understand.
0: Well, I think it's a very uh, distinct district and it's one district, but it has multiple distinct neighborhoods with each with its own uh, kind of needs and wants and aspirations. I think it goes from you know, my neighborhood, which has a lot of very high density housing in a big apartment buildings and stuff like that. We have Whitebridge, much more suburban setting with a commercial quarter, Whitebridge um, the road itself, uh, as well as, you know, something like uh, Cockrell Bend, which is a big industrial park. And so each of them kind of have their own unique set raft of issues and, and hopes and concerns and stuff for the neighborhood. And so uh, addressing those uh, individually, rather than trying to do a one size fits all solution for the district is a uh, like one of the main things. Was it hard to find what message worked campaigning? Like with, with all those differences? Well, I think there, while we each have our own kind of uh, unique concerns, there's a lot of uh, things that unify our district. I think... Any resident of our district can tell you that our neighborhoods are in urgent need of more sidewalks, safer crosswalks, better place traffic calming devices and things like that, uh, as well as the cost of housing has risen to an astronomical level. I think to take my neighborhood of the nations, for example, uh, the typical home price passed $640,000 last month. And so it's becoming increasingly affordable for most of our residents. And that's true across our district and I think across the county as well.
1: All right. You're a council noob. You're kind of getting a baptism by fire what has surprised you so far and what motivated you to write an op-ed that i'm going to generally call zoning reform
0: well why what motivated me to write the op-ed i think across the council almost all of us ran on a similar platform a desire to rein in housing costs to combat the rising levels of homelessness in our city to combat the relentless tide of car traffic and congestion, things like that. A lot of times when people think about these problems, the th- thing, the solution that doesn't come to their mind is zoning reform. But this is the chief culprit that's causing a lot of these recurring issues across the entire county. And so the purpose of the op-ed was try to identify these problems and then identify our zoning code as the culprit to it and reforming it as a potential solution for those problems.
1: Beyond the Queen of NIMBY writing a letter to the editor in opposition, what feedback have you heard from your constituents in Council District 20?
0: It's been overwhelmingly positive. I think uh, the cost of inaction on these issues is becoming increasingly clear to people in my district and across the entire city. And I think inaction is no longer an option. I think people are hungry for leadership on this issue.
2: Well, it, and in the op you kind of referred to the vision of what a neighborhood could be like. And I, as I said, I've spent a lot of time in your in your neighborhood, and it is like as someone who also wants to get cars off the road, it's difficult to drive through your neighborhood at times because of how many cars are just all everywhere. And the, the whole goal of the zoning is to to clear those spaces out, make those uh, make those walkable spaces, make them connected to public transit, and and get some of those cars yeah. off the road, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, in the nation's again, to take my neighborhood as an example, I think. A lot of people drive because it's not safe to walk and it's not safe to walk because so many people are driving. And so we need to make a change on how our neighborhood operates. And I think if we wanna have walkable neighborhoods, both in my district and across the county, we need to think what makes a walkable neighborhood. And I think walks should be useful, they should be interesting and they should be safe. And so what do each of those mean in turn? Well, first for it to be useful, we have to have something to walk to. So that means you know, if you wanna get groceries or get a coffee or something like that, You don't have to get in your car and drive 20 minutes across the city to get coffee or get groceries or something like that, but have those kind of options right there in the neighborhood, hopefully within a 15 minute walk. That's normally the most people are going to walk to to get to any given thing. Second, the walk should be interesting. That means you're not just walking past a monotonous, monotonous, I think, uh, block of the same type of buildings, but you have different types of things. You have houses, you have apartment buildings, you have stores and restaurants and things like that. So it's not boring walking around. Finally, the walk needs to be safe. That means you can walk entirely from your house to wherever you're trying to go entirely on complete sidewalks across to safe and clearly marked crosswalks. And cars aren't whizzing down the street at unsafe speeds, say 50 miles an hour as in many parts of our district. Uh, in residential neighborhoods, but are controlled through traffic calming devices or, or similar uh, features try to slow cars down. And I think if we can do that, we can build, um, it's not just, just going to make things safer pedestrians. It can create even more uh, vibrant and connected neighborhoods. It can reduce uh, unnecessary car traffic congestion and create the opportunity for healthy and active lifestyles in our own neighborhoods so that people don't have to drive if they don't want to, but have other options available to them.
1: Back to one prior question. What's the Biggest learning curve you've encountered so far. <laughs> well, it's it's in case a case. Our <laughs> listeners want to consider running for council <laughs> in the walk, Number one, don't walk your dog.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, we
1: got that. <laughs> okay.
0: Um, I guess it, I say two things on a, on a district level. I've had a lot of people reach out to me on things that um you know something that I'd never really you know thought about before. Whether you know there's an apartment building that's a little bit dilapidated and having trouble getting the landlord to fix it on time, um, as well kind of those constituent-level services things. And then uh, as far as being in the council itself, I think council procedure is um, uh, something that I'm still getting up to speed on. And I think I've been it's been great to have half the council or second-termers and are very generous with their time and helping us trying to get our footing and, and how to operate in the council.
2: You mentioned a lot of people getting elected on kind of a similar platform. What gives you sort of, you have the East Bank development coming where everyone is tuned in pretty highly on what's going to be a part of that, transit's a huge part of that affordable housing is a huge part of that green space is a huge part of that making you know freddie o'connell got elected to the mayor's office on making the east bank work even though he was against it in theory making it work to the best of his abilities a lot of those platforms you're talking about about all the new council members are similar and align with that stuff what what are you uh, inspiration's not the right word that seems a little cheesy to me but like what is the thing that gets you excited now that you've been in it for a couple of months you've got some like-minded people that you're working with what gets you excited?
0: Well, I think we have a real chance to enact n- meaningful reform this this uh, term. I think I'm very excited by the mayor's initiative, uh, hopefully within the next year, of uh, getting a better mass uh, transit system for the city. I think pairing that, zo- if we can get zoning reform uh, done this term, I think that's also uh, would be a huge accomplishment. And I think transit and zoning reform are really two sides of the same coin and that it's difficult to fully realize the benefits of one uh, without the other. So I think those are the two things I'm most excited for in this uh, council term.
2: And and you feel like that's
1: pretty supported council-wide? Yeah,
0: I think we have the, uh, there's the will and the ability to do it in this council.
1: You know, if you could fast forward four years from now into the first term and look back, if not accomplished, what would you deem a failure of the body?
0: I think a failure to get, our heads around or control over the astronomical rise in costs. If we can't slow the cost of housing, the rise in the cost of housing to at least below the rise of people's income levels so that we can try to get housing, if we're not gonna decrease it by absolute amounts, we can at least help it rein in below the cost of the increase in people's income uh, so that it's a lower and lower share of uh, people's income. If we can't do that, I think uh, this council term will have been a failure in that regard.
1: National Post reports Redfin analysis, household income of 124000 is needed to afford the Nashville area median home price of 470000 That's a 20% increase over the same period in 2022. Yeah. We are in a crisis, and since at least 2015, it's been a messaging talking point for campaigns for mayors, including this last mayor, 2015, uh, special election 2018, 2019, 2023. And from my vantage point, we're not doing shit to change it. We're simply talking about it. And so what I would remind and encourage the council is the legislative body that has one singular responsibility, authority above all else, zoning, Title 17.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. And I think as we approach that, I think we need some. We need to have all options are on the table. I think the only option that can't be on the table is that we can't wait any longer uh, to get started on this. We can't afford to wait for a multi-year study that nobody's going to read. This is a crisis and the time to act is now. Well, <laughs> just,
1: just last night, well, Braden, I guess I could say Thursday night. Just last week. Last week. The city of Austin, (laughs) after 13 hours of testimony. So the point being, pro-housing folks, it's going to be a slog. And it's going to go parallel to a transit referendum. But after 13 hours of testimony, the city of Austin legalized three units on a single-family lot all across the city. If the city of Austin can do big shit, the city of Nashville can do big shit. Hopefully, it doesn't take reducing that number from 40 to 20 to do it. But if that's the cost to get there, I think it's worth it. Is there a question in there? (laughs) No. It sounds like you're very optimistic uh, about
2: the body being organized around this particular. And he mentioned four years. Really, isn't it three years? I mean, when the Titan Stadium opens in 27 isn't that sort of like you have to have planned all of this stuff into that development for any of it to really yeah
0: take I mean effect, I right? think these a lot of these initiatives aren't unique to the east bank or the titan stadium things like that but I do think that there is a time limit on it I think in three years most of the council and the mayor are going to be running for re-election and there's not going to be any appetite to touch something large or controversial and so we can't afford to wait we have to start now
2: for a variety of reasons it sounds like uh, all right, you voted no uh, on the taser bill. If you'd like to give us a quick rundown of what you how you viewed that bill and and why you voted no,
0: yeah. So what the bill was was an amendment to our contract with the taser producing company Axon. Uh, currently, we're in a we're one year into a five year contract for six point five million dollars. Uh, we are had just bought the latest brand uh, last year. Uh, this year, they're asking us for to amend the contract to increase it to. Twenty-four million, so an increase of eighteen million for a ten-year contract for the latest brand of tasers, which is called the Taser Ten. Uh, how how I approached the vote on this is the technological improvements in the Taser, moving from the Taser, I think it was Taser Seven to Taser Ten, were real, but they appeared relatively modest to me. Uh, there was an increase in the range, and there's a greater ability to uh, aim the two prongs of the Taser. So. The the improvements in the technology were real, but they were relatively modest from what was, from my perspective, a much higher cost. Um, So I was on the fence about it. And then Axon, in their testimony to the Public Safety Committee, told us essentially that if we took any time to think about this and didn't decide right now and then, they were going to charge us more if we waited until next year uh, to decide on whether we're uh, open to it or not. And that sealed the the vote for me, and I voted no. Can we get more
2: uh dry race boards in the council meeting? <laughs> that was great. Please. She's gotta get rid of the green though, Braden. Well, it, was, it wasn't technically a dry race board, right? It was like paper, it was like a paper easel.
0: I couldn't really see it very well from my seat. I think <laughs> that's what it looked like.
2: I think I think every council member should get a dry their own little dry race board with wheels. It I was a gigantic post-it note easel.
1: <laughs> I know. I think it should you be. You can able, rip the strip off, stick it on something. H-
2: hence the desire to get real change in the in the chamber which was is.
1: there any sentiment that hey you you entered into a contract with us last year for the model seven did you not know model 10 was coming
0: yeah i think that 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 was a big part of it and in, it's like it's, why didn't you tell uh, us yeah. about number 10 yeah and i think there's a concern that if that happened then if we sign this contract now is there another model that's going to come out next year uh or in two years uh so yeah that was a big part of the considerations as well, and. I think it's important to note this was not a referendum on uh, police, at least on my part. It was kind of a more fiscal analysis of whether these modest improvements in the technology were sufficient to justify a much higher cost. And uh, for that and the artificial urgency, which Axon t- tried to impose on Nashville in making this decision, uh, sealed the deal for me and required required me to vote no. And I think that's true for many of my colleagues as well.
2: Well, and I guess ultimately, like... Does the Taser 7 not allow the police to, to, to do their job adequately? And it seems like the answer is, yeah. it, no, it, it does allow them to do their job adequately, correct? The Taser 7, and, and we're talking about a, a massive increase in price. So well, some, of, some
0: of the increase in cost is due to the expanding the contract term. Some of it was attributable to more units. We'd be buying more units, uh, but a significant share of the cost was increasing the price per unit, per user. Well, one thing
1: you were involved in, which I think is a council first you may not have appreciated it at the time, maybe you did. But for the first time ever, the captions were not read on a consolidated consent agenda. Can you tell people what that is? It led to a shorter council meeting, which is in the public interest. The caption of the bill is what when you look at an agenda, it's the thing at the top and up until this past council meeting, they were always read by the vice mayor, even consent agenda items. For the first time, Vice Mayor Angie Henderson did not sit there and read them all to us. Yeah,
0: that was that was a big accomplishment, I think, on the on the vice mayor's part. And I think it's good. It's good for the public. And it lets makes the meetings more accessible for the public, and it also lets the council spend more time on the things that matter that merit discussion rather than these administrative procedural items
2: a big a big her talking point on angie henderson's campaign a reform was we're gonna make this a better process and it sounds like uh i a
1: big you're, fan yeah you're a big fan but you're blessed with not having known the previous <laughs> <That's laughs> form is what it sounds true. like that's all i got thank you for coming thank you for serving and being a member of the planning and zoning committee let's
2: do the shit Uh, I want to ask one more back to how you got into this real fast. Can you try to explain to people how fast you went from walking your dog to being (laughs) on the council? Yeah.
0: So it was maybe two years ago now. um, I started going to neighborhood association meetings, uh, the nation's neighborhood association to uh, just try to get some more sidewalks in our neighborhood, try to make it a safer place to walk around uh, led to, um, and I was a new uh, resident of the neighborhood. I think we moved there in 2020. So pretty new. Um, started joining the neighborhood association to try to talk about sidewalks uh that led to being on the board of the neighborhood association again trying to get us try to get us some sidewalks. was that a big election was that your first election victory? <laughs> yeah, it was a big was election i ran i ran unopposed i think there was like i think <laughs> there were six of us in the room when i voted <laughs> big, big campaign staff <laughs> yeah um but it's it's really an amazing neighborhood association and um you know went from that to running for council and somehow winning I'm more surprised than anybody else. (laughs) Rollin, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, We really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great talking.
2: That was District 20 Councilmember Rollin Horton, of course, brand new to um, the council, getting to know things. And it sounds like a lot, very bullish on, and we we talked to Jennifer Gamble about this a couple of episodes ago. She, of course, is the uh, head of the committee that Rollins sits on along with a few others that there's a lot of, and that's the planning and zoning committee, right? It sounds like ultimately there is an appetite for this and that the conversations that you and I have been having on this program about housing, it sounds like there's an elected body that has got an appetite to do some of this stuff and to move forward and to kind of press the issue a little bit. And I think having an example in some areas of town where we can show people proof of concept is going to be a big step in the right direction as well. So contact your local council member linked in the show notes.
1: The thing I learned of that conversation with Ron is if you're going to, for district council members, all 35 of them, if you're going to have a neighborhood meeting, pick a fun place to have it. If you want to do it in the basement of a church, you're probably going to draw some NIMBY blue hairs. If you want to draw some younger Yimby folk, maybe have it at a place that serves alcohol. Who who don't really want to drive
2: cars and like to walk around and... Don't like
1: to hang out in basements of churches with old people bitching about whatever the latest thing to bitch about is. Would like to have an affordable option to purchase their first home, perhaps. Crazy. Where they serve beer.
2: Maybe where they serve weed. Who knows? One day. Coming to five points,
1: <laughs> one day, one day soon. Coming to five points, <laughs> one day soon. In a
2: former bar, can we do? Can we do live shows from a weed bar? That Only we if you quit calling it
1: weed, you Neanderthal. Well, you can't. Like, God's, God's plant, plant.
2: God's plant bar doesn't really. Yeah. That, that doesn't. Sounds like a workout joint. Anyway, th- thank you to Rollin for coming in and, and hanging out with us. Uh, the learning curve, uh, you know, I don't, I don't envy. Going from walking the dog to being a council member in a couple of years, and then having to learn all the ins and outs, but it does help when you're a lawyer. Okay, uh, quick—we already mentioned
1: Santos. So I, don't I know want- two lawyers that walk their dogs. Both of them are on the council. Careful, where well, you, you walk your dog. Well, you know, uh,
2: you you know get a professional gas bag on this program that walks his dog, and would like some damn sidewalks on his street. Actually, so maybe I'm on the same path. <laughs> It's
1: drawling. they're uh, they're trying to try that, tie sidewalk construction to the transit referendum. That's what I hear. You hear anything else over there? If other people run to take credit for something you've done, you've achieved ultimate success.
2: <laughs> I, I think of immediately House Republicans taking credit for the infrastructure bill that they didn't vote for. That's what I think of. Or the CHIPS Act that they didn't vote for, bringing plants back to towns in the Midwest. Republicans who voted against those bills, making sure they're at the groundbreaking of the new bridge or the new plant. Or, hey, look at all this money we got for X in our district that I voted against.
1: Speaking of groundbreaking, I'm going to bring up an old saw that I like to grind on. I do not like it when government officials go to groundbreakings. Just in general? In general. Cause they don't know how to work shovels. <laughs> but the attorney general doesn't know how to work a shovel. That's for damn sure. I've got video proof of that fact, <laughs> <laughs> but like invite the taxpayers to do that. Y'all don't need to go. Not the governor of Arkansas. You should not <laughs> invite the governor of Arkansas to your groundbreaking. Did she bring her $19,000 lectern? She's under investigation for buying a $19,000 lectern.
2: Why would you want one of those? <laughs> I don't understand.
1: Uh, speaking of spending. Did she bring it? Because I friend? know they put it in the smallest fucking venue ever. And the only people I saw during that presentation was the American Sign Language interpreter. Everybody else was behind her ass. Now I'm looking up this lectern. <laughs> the <laughs> the Lieutenant Governor John Partepio, shout out, who's a great photographer. He had, he put a picture that went with the Tennessee Lookout story, and it had Randy McNally asleep. Oh wow, this is a hell of a lead here from the AP. You want me to read it? Sure. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, this is live. Produced. Are we going to come up with a term for this particular session of the show? We're call it to bullshit session. From targeting Chinese-owned farmland to banning to banning, excuse me, gender-neutral terms like "pregnant people" from state documents, Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders has rolled out announcements in recent weeks, in quick succession, cheered on by a Republican base. <laughs> Are you saving the the punchline? (laughs) The former White House press secretary known for scaling back regular press briefings in Washington has also fielded questions from behind a lectern at the state capitol. But it's the lectern she's not using, a $19,000 purchase that's led to an audit and claims her office illegally altered public records. That remains a problem for the first-term governor. That lectern hasn't been seen at Sanders public events, and the governor's office won't say where it is. There's no punchline. It's just a fantastic lead to a story. Good job, AP. I'm
1: going to get in the electric construction business. <laughs>
2: sell it it's to the governors big, across the state. Put a big old gold emblem on the, emblem on the front. Just has a White socks logo on it. Go
1: Sox. All right. All right. I think we're done at this point if I'm trying to trick well, you. I'm going to break some news to you. Oh, right now? I'm going to try. 2024 home opponents, Tennessee Titans. Green Bay Packers. Yeah, uh, uh
2: yeah, It happens. Every, every eight years. <laughs> my daughter turns eight next year. And you wonder what she did when she was five weeks old? Went to a Packers game in Nissan Stadium. Much to my wife's delight. <laughs> she, she helped me take my five-week-old daughter to her very first Green Bay Packers game. But yes, eight years. Every eight years, the Packers come to town. Jamie, that's how the schedule works. William, so no, you're not breaking any news to me. Has
1: William Tyler's music started playing yet? It's done. It's done.
2: Take us out, William. Thanks for listening. He is Jamie Holland. I am Braden Gall. Mercifully, please rate the show. Only five stars. Share the product and uh, tell somebody about what what, what we're doing here. We do appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.
1: All right. Here's some breaking news. (laughs) Welcome back. Stay to the end. Welcome back to the Metropolitan Government. Welcome back. Bill Herbert. He's coming back to work for Mayor Freddie O'Connell in his office. Perhaps permitting reform might be on the agenda. I'm just speculating there. But Bill Herbert is definitely back working for Mayor Freddie O'Connell.
2: Filling out the staff. (laughs)
1: It's good. It's a good step. Yes. Much needed development. No pun intended. Fuck the White Sox.
0: Braden, it is... Happening